It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. This is the Bengals postgame edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. As we look back at the Bengals' awful loss, 41-22 to the Los Angeles Chargers. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. Rick, I believe the Bengals just turned the ball over again, and it once again led to a Chargers score. Um, I swear, I, I'm i glad I'm not betting the NFL right now, and I haven't for the last few weeks, because I don't know anything at the moment. I, and I'll be the first. I'm going to admit it. I don't know anything at the moment. I just don't. We've finally gotten away from a reign of dominant teams. We are in an era where there are no dominant teams, and there's so much parity in the NFL, and there always is. But in the past, we've always known there's two or three or however many teams you can count on at the tops of their division. And that's just not the case right now. No, it is literally week to week. And um, it it does come down to those things of, uh, you know, doing the little things and not turning the ball over. And and the Bengals turnovers were really costly today because um, not only did they take points off the board in the case of the Bengals at some points, they gave the Chargers some direct points. In fact, by my calculations, and I did this kind of with a grain of salt, Rick, but but really the Bengals, three of the turnovers led to 17 direct points that they scored right. on, a, on a, a return. And, and you could argue that the Bengals turnovers cost them 17 to 21 points. The chase, you know, interception where it went off his hands that should have been a touchdown. Burrow throws a pick in the end zone late. Uh, Mixon's fumble that was returned for a touchdown when they're in field goal range. Turn, turn those three plays around and you win the game by double digits instead of losing by 19 points. Well, let, let's start right there because the turnovers yeah. were such a big deal in this game and, and they created some of their own. It could have been a really nice flip if you know you go three turnovers and you don't turn the ball over yourself. You're in business right there. You make up for a lot of mistakes. Instead, they turn the ball over four times. Which did you think was the worst or the more uh, costly turnover? Was it Jamar Chase giving away the sure touchdown <laughs> down 9 nothing in the first quarter and allowing the Chargers to go up 16-9 or 16 nothing? Or was it Joe Mixon handing the Chargers a touchdown to start the fourth quarter when they were in Chargers territory? Yeah, I thought it was that. It was 24-22 at the time. They're in in they're literally in field goal range at the 34. Second and two. You're running what you think is a safe play. You're gonna get, you know, uh at the very least, you're going to get Joe Joe Mixon uh probably a first down and continue the drive on and maybe turn that into a touchdown. So you're either up 25-22 or you're maybe up even 30 to 24. Uh, instead, it's 31-22 the other way, and at that point, it just felt like the the, the the balloon was popped with a pin. The chase one was just so bizarre. But at the end of the day, the Bengals overcame all of that to get it to 24-22 with the ball when Joe Mixon fumbled. And look, I'll give Joe Mixon a lot of credit. He came into the postgame press conference. Jamar Chase chose not to. Um, he took ownership for it. Got to be better for it. Really couldn't explain how it happened, why it happened. Um, but I thought that that said a lot to me about Joe Mixon and how he continues to to evolve and grow up a little bit. That uh, and because this is a guy who doesn't fumble, first fumble in 329 carries. So you can argue that's just you know that's going to happen in the NFL. Not, there's you know players not going to ever fumble. It just was a weird time for it to happen, a bad time for it to happen. But again, I know this doesn't mean a lot to a lot. Of, it means a lot to me when guys do that when they take accountability like that. I I, I think he, that 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 was a big thing for him to do that. The mix-in turnover sucked because of when it happened and the time it came. But like you said, there's no real concern here about what happened with Joe Mixon. He never fumbled the ball. It was just a fluke thing that popped up. The Jamar Chase one, 
that is a bizarre play right there. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen too many things like that. And for him to have a clear touchdown, I mean, he had beaten everybody by right, right. five he, to 10 yards. Rick, Rick, like. Rick, he had to bobble the ball backwards, backwards for the cornerback to intercept it on that play. Uh, yeah, I just, it was such a bizarre play, but it goes back to this whole Jamar Chase drop thing. Yeah, It's a legit thing. I mean, it's yeah, become it a problem. And, you know, we go all the way back to the preseason where it happened. People spoke about it, media members that saw it, and everybody that, you know, does this type of thing. We're all talking about it. And then a few weeks later, he gets off to his great start to his NFL career. And all everybody else, a lot of those same people, to be quite honest, but everyone's talking about, oh, see how stupid you all were to bring up Jamar Chase's drops? It's like, well, no, that was a real thing. He was dropping balls thrown right to him that should be caught. And now here we are midway through the season, and he's been fantastic. He's a, a, a super talent in the NFL, but this drop thing is a real issue too. Yeah, I mean, um, we looked at it during the game after his second drop because he dropped another ball as well. And there's another one that I think they ruled a drop that I still don't think NFL will eventually rule a drop that I thought was knocked away. So technically... he According to some of it, he had three drops. I, I counted two. Um, but even if we count two, he leads the NFL in drops. And you, you just, you know, that's a thing. And it is a thing. And the, and the one was a huge thing because it, it was a touchdown. It was a rare shot play to him. Um, you know, the, the whole thing all week was, well, the Bengals are going to be able to run the football. And shame on me, I guess. And shame on all of us because I didn't take into account the full effect of the possibility of, of Trey Hopkins and Riley Reef both missing. I thought Riley would probably be out. You know, the Trey thing didn't seem like a big deal on Sunday, didn't seem like a big deal on Monday, didn't seem like a big deal on Wednesday, and lo and behold, he doesn't, doesn't play. So that took away, you know, probably the ability to run the ball the way you've been running it, and, and shame on me. Um, but the whole thing was either the Chargers are going to have to sell out to stop the run because they're worse than the NFL at doing so, or they're going to give one-on-ones on the outside to all these guys. Well, there was a one-on-one for Jamar Chase. Hadn't gotten a lot of those lately. Took advantage of it. Ran right by the corner. And instead, does... I mean, that is still... the And hopefully he talks tomorrow because we've asked for him again tomorrow. I mean, I don't want to point a finger. I just want to understand what in the world happened. How did that happen to you? Did your eyes get discombobulated? Did you take a bad step? Was it, um, was it thrown in a traje- trajectory you didn't... Um, think was coming you thought maybe there was going to be more top on it rather than bullet because it was it was still more on a line than high but my goodness it was thrown on a line because he was so wide open and it was perfectly in stride and you just can't have that in this league you don't get those opportunities all the time he's been great nobody's going to discount the fact he's not been great but you got to make that play and you can't do what you did which was somehow bobble it backwards to where the guy catches it on top of it that was literally a 14 point swing it was nine to seven and instead Five plays later, it became 16 to nothing, and then you're really digging out of a huge hole. Just such a bizarre play. I, you would almost say it was a situation where he was shaving points, except for the fact that right. I, if you tried to make him do that again 100 times, I don't think he could repeat no. it. It was, no, it was such a weird thing to throw the ball backwards like that after he already had it caught. Right. I, I don't I don't understand what that was. But anyways, it's the, the drops have become an issue and I yes. don't know what they do about, I guess he's got to catch more tennis balls or something, but something uh, it's, it's an issue. So, well, well, I do wonder this I, and, and, and it's fair to wonder this, that, that suddenly T fences are focused on you, right? And they have been, and that's, what's allowed the running game to flourish. That's what's allowed T Higgins last week to flourish. Um, and, and so that's a thing too. 
And I just wonder if does that at that point does your confidence or I'm sorry, does your does your um focus start to wane a little bit? Do you start to go, probably not coming to me on this route. Oh well. And then when you do finally have to do it, are you able to turn the switch on? And maybe you're not. Maybe that's how hard it is. Yeah, maybe. It's just it was the easiest one he's probably oh, had in word. terms of touchdowns. Uh, it was I mean, the ball, was, the ball was, was right there, where it needed to be. He was had no one in sight. Right. There was no safety flashing that you could, could, could give an excuse of, well, he thought he was going to get hit. No, there was nothing, nothing on that play other than green carpet ahead of him. Burrow was responsible for two turnovers. And, you know, I'll put that word in air quotes because I don't know how you want to assess that. But he fumbled the ball once after he got stripped from behind. And that's where he hurt his pinky. And then he also threw the interception late in the end zone. There's been a lot of conversation going all the way back to last year, really. uh, But especially this year with Burrow's turnovers. What did you think of those two plays? How much blame did you place on him? Well, clearly the one in the end zone was on him. I, you know, he said he was trying to make a play, and I get that he was, but and I also get that he probably could have scrambled towards the end zone, but he's also dealing with the pinky and didn't want to get hit, so he tried to force one into coverage, and it was as soon as he threw it, it literally as soon as he threw it, that's going to be intercepted. That was that was you, you could just see it unfold, Rick. Um, and I get, I'm you know, I'm not telling you I could play quarterback in the NFL, but it's just one of those ones you can just see it unfold if this is bad. Um, yeah, the chase interceptions not on him. I don't think the strip sack was on him. The guy went right around Jonah Williams like he was a statue. You at least expect to get back to your plant foot, be able to step into a throw. You know, you know the internal clock in your head. You're not expecting that guy to come around the edge. And he took a big swipe at it and made a great play on it. So I'm going to put the one in the end zone clearly on Joe Burrow. The other two, I I can't. I'm going to put the one on Jonah Williams. I'm going to put the other one on Jamar Chase clearly. Yeah, I agree. The chase one is obvious. That's why I didn't even mention it. But the the one where Jenna Williams got beat around the edge and I can see people complaining for Burroughs ball security or whatever. If he's got the ball tucked and he gets hit and coughs it up. But or he one, sits there for or he sits there for five seconds. This was of course. he was on his back foot stepping into a throw in a in the time frame that you know you should be able to have when you see the protection in front of you. You don't account for the guy coming blindside on you, and he did. That's and right. that's on Jonah. And, and Jonah would be probably the first to tell you that. Yeah. The, the fact that he already had the ball out into his throwing motion, there's nothing he can really do at that point. And it was it was an on-time pass, like you said. So, yeah, I did. I assessed it the same way you did. I, I want to preface this by saying he clearly played through some serious pain in the second half. And yep. it was an impressive job because at halftime, I had no idea how he was going to be able I didn't to either. keep going. Uh, I, I assume they shot some pretty good drugs in there and numbed him up a bit. But yep. I also want to ask, in terms of his pocket presence, where are we at on that conversation? Is there a point where we start noticing that he does he's not great at moving around in the pocket and stepping up or finding that we it seems like he once he gets back and, and anything breaks down in terms of his protection, he kind of panics a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I I thought the scramble was a great play. You know, all of a sudden he steps up and it's green grass and off he goes, touchdown. I think some of it too is he took that hit against Green Bay and everybody has told him, dude, stop. Just don't try those things. He had one, I wish I could remember the play, Rick, off the top of my head. He scrambled on another play in the second half and this was dealing with the pinky and dove for a first down and didn't make it. I think he came up a yard short. It would have been third and one. And there was a hold behind it anyway that wiped it out. But as he's running, I'm even yelling, oh, what ooh, oh, what ooh, what are you doing, dude? And then he dives forward. I think he's caught in that big in-between of 
I'm a competitor. I want to make a play, but everybody's telling me to be smart, so I'm going to try to be smart. I'm just going to try to move a little bit here, move a little bit there. And uh, see, and I, I, I see. I disagree totally. I think that uh, I think that's the opposite I, I, of what's going on. I think I he is great when he runs. When he runs and scrambles, that's great. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about the the last part that you mentioned the the moving around, stepping up, and, and moving within the pocket while I, still I'll being be honest, in a I, position to throw. I think he's really bad at that right now. I, I don't think there's a lot of room for him to do that. I think there was push up the middle in his face today, and that's because there's no Trey Hopkins. And the fact that he got the strip sack early probably had him very leery of guys coming from the backside. So it makes you a little skittish. I just, I, I, I really believe that. And the fact, listen, this is not a great offensive line. We know no, that. Not at all. And it's really not great when they only can throw the football and they can't run it. So that made it really tough for everybody. They went empty a bunch more, which you know I don't like a whole lot. I understand why they did it, but I'm not a big fan of it. It makes it five-on-five five protections. And then remember, too, though, Rick, Two of the sacks in the second half came on blitzes where they just had no chance. He had no chance. They had no chance. The 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 Chargers at that point decided, listen, we're going to dial it up because he's starting to find a rhythm and we're going to go get him. And they just they belted him a few times and finally sacked him a couple times. And that was it. So some of that I'm going to give the Chargers credit for deciding, listen, we can't what we're doing right now is not working. Let's go get him and see if that works. And it did. Yeah. And I mean, we're doing this without having watch the game back right. or watching film right. like coaches would or anything like that. So, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know what happened on each and every play with the pass protection, where it broke down and how much room he had, but there was a, a, a really good video breakdown when they came back from, I think it was a commercial or maybe it was just a, a replay that they're shown within the game. Cause there was a, a little bit of a break, but Joe took a sack on a key third down last week in the red zone. And the analyst who was doing the game did a really good breakdown of all he really needed to do was step up a few feet into the pocket right here. And he had a nice pocket. The tackles, they're not great, but you also can't expect them to do everything against no, NFL defensive right. ends. No, if right. you push them past the quarterback, the quarterback should be able to step up into that pocket that you formed for him and make a throw. And that's where I think sometimes – Burrow is struggling a little bit. When he starts to see it close around him, he can't see that, oh, if I just move this two steps to my right and stay in my throwing stance, he can buy himself another second, second and a half, two seconds to make that play where a guy's coming open. Because that's where it's costing you is when you've got a guy that is coming open and you just feel like you don't have the time to throw. He seems to panic a little bit in those moments. When it's a situation where no one's open and he's just having to look like, do I take off and run or not? I think he's great in those situations. He's a really good runner. No, I, I appreciate your point. It's a good observation. I'm also going to go to the human nature aspect of this. We're still not all that removed from the dude having his knee rolled uh, up. And on, I right? think that's exactly what the bigger issue is, is the confidence right, of right. whether or not he can take a hit. Yeah, and I think he can take it on occasion, but I think there's still that, oh, man, I, I feel bodies around me. This doesn't feel right to me, mm -hmm. and I sure as heck don't want to have my knee go out again. And so I think there's some of that still in play. And listen, maybe in three years, two years, one year, five more games, it's out of his mind. I still think it's in his mind. And honestly, I think any Bengals family drops back to pass and you see pressure around him, like, oh, get get rid of it. Go, go, go run. Because you're thinking, I don't want to get him hit again. And I think that's in his mind too. Totally. And, and that's what I think it is more than anything. And that's, I'm not really worried about it long-term because of that. I think ultimately he has such a good feel for the game and such a high IQ. And he's not a guy who plays scared. He's kind of a, a fearless type of athlete that he will overcome this and get right. better at it. But right now it's just something that I've noticed that it seems like he has a tendency to kind of turn his back into guys coming after him and just take the hit instead of 
keeping his eyes downfield, seeing if he can step up in a pocket or slide the protection, you know, slide the pocket right or left a little bit. Uh, that's just, I don't think that's where he's at his best right now. Is all, is no, all that's, fair. that's fair. This was a, a costly loss more so than because of what it means to the AFC standings and all that. The injuries yes. were the, the bigger deal here. Where are we at with all the injuries? Well, let's start with Joe Burrow. He dislocated the pinky. He thinks it popped back in. Where are we at now after that? Uh, great question, because that was asked of, of him and Zach Taylor, and they were both pretty elusive. Zach was asked about the j- injuries in general, and we'll get to all of them, I guess. Logan Wilson, um, Chidobia Wuzier, and he said he had no update on any of them yet. So we'll know way more tomorrow. And I hate to do that because we're doing this podcast on Sunday night, but that's just kind of where we are. Um, I thought there was a lot of evasive answers about that pinky after the game, and I get it, and maybe it's they don't know, but it also makes me think that, listen, adrenaline, little shot here, little tape there, um, got you through the game. Um, I, I, I've dislocated my finger before, and I can tell you, Rick, that, um, and I did it a little differently, and maybe I did it differently than he did, um, I remember having it pop back in place when, and the pain was excruciating. I was able to finish the game I was playing. It was a softball game, but I knew it wasn't right. I knew it was not going to be right, and I was told that I needed to put a pin in my finger and get it fixed, and I didn't. And I'm looking at my finger. It's my, it's the finger next to my right pinky finger, and it's crooked to this day. So, and, and I was literally told, "Listen, you busted some tendons. You got to get it fixed. You need to put a pin." I'm like, "Nah." I said, what'll happen if, if not, it'll, it'll heal crooked. Well, I was 48 years old at the time. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm good. I don't have to play softball. Well, so he's a quarterback now. And so there is a factor of him gripping the ball. And you could tell the discomfort he had. And he tried to fight through it. And I think you're right. I think whatever pain medication was shot in there at the half kind of took effect. And he was able, as things went along, because he was trying to glove and tape and everything before the half began. But honestly, he threw a duck. If you remember, he threw kind of a crazy wounded duck to the sideline to Tyler Boyd. That I even tweeted out that was a duck and a dime at the same time because it was wobbling, <laughs> but he but he dropped it in perfectly and I thought, ooh, that's where we're at. But I will say, as the half went along, I watched him throw the ball and I thought, if I didn't know he wasn't hurt, he looks okay to me. Yeah, and so, that's what I was shocked by. I couldn't believe right, he got through right, it and was throwing those right. Away but as you know, I mean, you get the shot at halftime, right? It doesn't take effect in the first five seconds. It, right. It's like Novocaine or anything else. Takes a little time to get that thing going. That's where he was trying the gloves and the tape and all those things and finally just said, to hell with it, I'll fight through this. And he was really struggling that first series and as things went along, I'm going to guess the pain medication worked. Well, guess what? You ain't going to get that pain medication all week long. And that thing's going to probably need to be serviced. And so I am a little bit worried about it just because of, and, and I don't think it was intentionally elusive. I think we still don't know as part of it of, Let's go to the doctor. Let's take some x-rays. Let's take an MRI. We'll take whatever you need and see where this thing's at. I just don't feel really good about it. I don't. I feel I, I feel bad about it. I'm in the same boat. I know he said something to the effect of he doesn't think he'll miss games or he doesn't plan on missing games, but that really means no, he's, nothing yeah, he at def- this Yeah, point. right. He, yeah, he definitely said that, and he doesn't. I mean, that, yeah, of course not. No offense, he's, he's not lying. He and, does, and, and, he and he's also probably on still on those good drugs that they gave correct. you, if we're being that's, honest. That's, like, that's he has correct. no idea, yeah. I, I asked a couple of people, a couple of people didn't see it. A couple of people did. It looked like it was buddy taped um, to that finger. I'm talking about the, the yeah, finger the next to the finger. Yeah. yeah. Not the ring. Yeah. The ring finger on that hand. I, I'm thinking wedding ring finger, but yeah, the ring finger on that other hand. Um, it looked like it was buddy taped and that, that that's fine. I get that part, but it also means that's still probably not good. Yeah. And 
The thing about having a broken finger like that, now, granted, I'm talking about the thumb when I had my issue, but I was pitching at the time and it was on my glove hand. And the hardest part about it, I know it's hard to throw the football like they're talking about because of the grip and all of that. But the other thing that's really being underestimated is every time I would catch the ball, that would come back and it wouldn't hit me directly in the thumb. But when it hits the glove and that kind of hits the vibration of your hand, it it kills so him taking that snap whether it's in the shotgun or right underneath center every time cannot feel good every time it jars that hand so and and let's not forget he handed off a bunch almost exclusively left-handed and while he did a great job of it um you know it was asked of joe joe mixon and and i'll give joe credit he didn't roll anybody under the bus but i mean was that fumble because the timing of the handoff wasn't right like it normally is i mean maybe i don't know that that for a fact but there's no doubt that, you know, he was handing off left-handed. It had to play some kind of factor in some of this stuff. And eventually, maybe left-handed, he drops a ball because he's not used to it. So I, I I hate to do that. I just, it worries me. It just, it I, I think so too. just because of the way things were. Maybe tomorrow we'll, I'll, I'll get the whole, hey, we checked it out. He's going to be okay. It's going to be sore. It's swollen. We think he's going to be fine moving forward. Okay, great. I got to hear that tomorrow. I got to hear that tomorrow. I certainly think Joe Mixon's situation was less serious. He came back right. in. Uh, right. what, what was his deal? Uh, neck. He, uh, he And it looked like when he came off, I thought it was a shoulder or a collarbone even. And, um, you know, then you're like, well, maybe he got the wind knocked out of him. But he said he hurt his neck and he was able to stay in. You know, I think he missed like three or four plays or two plays, whatever. It wasn't very many plays. Came back in and, and played fine other than the fumble. And I don't think the fumble was due to the neck. He just He just fumbled the football. And then Logan Wilson appears to be yeah. the biggest one right now. He was carted off the field. What's the latest on him? A shoulder injury? Shoulder injury. And that's, you know, um, when you're carted off, usually that's a leg, right? <laughs> I mean, when you're carted off with a shoulder injury, that sounds to that's... me like you broke something, separated something, and you're a mess. That's a bad thing. Now, Joe Batchy played okay. He had nine tackles. And Could you explain to me who the hell Joe Batchy is? He wears number 49, and he's Joe Batchy, and that's all I can tell you. He's been uh, on this roster since day one of this season on the practice squad for a bit. And this uh, is the he, first time I've heard his name, I feel like, was this week. Nah, he's, he's been on the roster. He's played some special teams. Um, I'm not arguing that fact, but I, I still know. feel like yes, this is sure. the first time I've heard his name This that, was this that's week. Okay. That's okay. Paul Daner Jr. from The Athletic turned to me at one point when we looked at the linebackers. I go, you know who's next? Clay Johnston. And he goes, I know the name. I don't even know anything about him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I said, yep, I, I'm noting you. That's where we're at. Yeah, that, that one's a little worrisome, too, because he's been so good. I'll give Jermaine Pratt credit. I thought he stepped up. I gave him on my fifth quarter, um, and I do this, and everybody makes fun of me when I do it well for losses. I just It's just a natural thing. You give a game ball on each side. Somebody has played well on both sides. Jermaine Pratt was good. He had nine tackles, forced a fumble, recovered a fumble. but he stepped up in a big way. Um, but... Logan Wilson was playing, has, was having a really good season. Maybe a game or two wasn't so good, especially that Jets game where he let all those checkdowns happen. But he was having a really good season, and that that's got a chance to be a big loss. And a Wouzier the same way. I mean, um, came out with a foot injury. Uh, it, you know, I guess the only silver lining is: are you closer to getting Trey Wayne's back? Maybe we'll find out tomorrow and or Wednesday. But it feels like that that was the whole. Hey, you're about to get all your secondary guys back because Trey Waynes is coming back and all the gang's all together again. And well, now Ouzier's hurt and 
Trey Wings is just going to replace him. No, I, I, I thought Eli Apple was fine today. I didn't think he was awful, and he's been better of late. So maybe that's a you know good thing that he keeps playing, but um, it still sucks. I mean, Ujie had the great interception. That's the one he got hurt on. Um, had, I thought, a great return that was a bad call and then gets hurt, I think, on the return. I don't think he got hurt on the interception. I think he got hurt on the return. No, it it, all for not. Yeah, because he got killed. And it was all because the refs didn't blow it dead before right, that, which right. they should have in that situation. Right. That was a te- that officiating crew was a mess in terms they of were administering that game. I, I don't know if it was on TV or not, Rick, at the time, but I love there was a replay late in the game. Where he apologized for the way. Where he apologized. Okay, was, so that was, uh, that didn't oh, make yeah. I didn't know if that made TV or not. That was the best. Oh, yeah. Not to mention it was a ridiculous situation as yes. well. But Sorry for the delay. I like the uh, the result of the play is a touchdown. No, a touchback. Sorry, touchback. No, interception. Uh, no, interception. Yeah. Not yeah. good. It was a mess. Uh, all right. So that, those were all the, the injuries that we wanted to get through. I, I'm with you, though. Wilson and Wuzier clearly look like they're going to be out for some time. And yep. I have my doubts about where this is going with Burrow, too. So I do, too. And I hope I'm wrong. And listen, hey, nobody can doubt the kid's toughness. The kid's a tough son of a gun, man. I, yeah. There's no there's that second no half performance that. is really impressive, honestly. Correct. Because because I'm telling you, watching him warm up to start the second half, I thought there's no way. Are you He's screaming in pain and gloves and this and that? And probably, again, part of it was the drugs hadn't kicked in yet. And they finally did. And then he was like, oh, all right, I'll tough my way through that. And that's great. You can do that in the moment, right? We've all done it. We've all had adrenaline push us through whatever injury we've done in our little minor sports history. All of us who are listening to this have played sports. You've gotten hurt and you push through it. And the next year, like, oh, my gosh, I can't even walk. I can't even move. I can't even do. Well, guess where Joe Burr is going to be tomorrow, people? In that vein. It's not going to be good. Yep. It's funny because as bad as this game felt and as ugly as it was at times with all the turnovers and everything else that was going on and the injuries, it's amazing to think that you're in the fourth quarter, well, the third, the end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, yeah. and you had two different drives where you were only trailing by two. That's correct. And 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 that was amazing. The Bengals, um, and this is one of my uh, stats of note, their biggest comeback victory of all time have been 21 points twice. So they had a chance to have their biggest all-time comeback victory, and it looked like they were going to, for goodness sakes. Um, so, you know, I, a lot of credit there to just keep grinding, keep plowing through it. And at the end of the day, and I'm not making excuses, I'm not trying to soft sell this, but you kind of ended up the day where you started the day as a wild card team, a game out of first place in the division, with them coming still to your place. Yes, Pittsburgh won to kind of, you know, move back and, and kind of, you know, re-savor that law or, or save that loss from last week. But you're still in a good spot in the division and in the conference and in the wild card race. So as bad as today was, it wasn't all that damning or damaging, for goodness sakes. Yeah, you had Pittsburgh help you out with the Ravens. You have Kansas City beating up on the Broncos right now as we're recording this. There was a lot of different Raiders lost to Washington. Yeah, a lot of different things going on to keep everybody just kind of jumbled up here in the AFC. The Bengals are seven and five now. They would be seventh in the AFC playoff standings if it were to start today, and they'd be playing the number two Titans in a wild card game. So sign uh, me up. Sign me up. Honestly, stop it. Stop the season right now and sign me up for that. Yeah, with with all of their injuries, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Next week, the 49ers are in town. They are six and six. They just lost to the Seahawks 30 to 23 today. That game got flexed to 425 p.m. Another important game for this 
team. I, I mean, they they all are at this point. They're right. in that spot where everyone's close together and every win gets you another step closer to getting into the playoffs. And, and Frisco just had a three-game winning streak snap. They blew a 23-14 lead, but they've played really well of late. So they're 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 and they're obviously in the hunt in the NFC where last week a five and seven team was in the playoffs. So they're still very much in the hunt. Um, then you go to Denver, which tonight is is losing is going to lose. Or I'm watching the end of this. They're, they're going to fall to six and six, but that still puts them in the playoff hunt. Then you've got uh, Baltimore, Kansas City, and Cleveland. I mean, you're playing a, every team so far left has a 500 record or better and is in the playoff hunt. So you better bring your big boy pants because guess what? Every team left's a big boy. And some big-time offenses, some big-time quarterbacks that you're going to be facing. The defense is going to continue to get challenged. I thought it looked a lot worse on the defense today than it really was. You know, again, you factor in those points that they gave up via turnovers that put them in some really bad position, whether it was field position-wise or just flat-out giving up points off of turnovers. So, yeah, you, you take it down to just maybe 24 points on the defense, and that's not nearly as bad against Justin Herbert and this Chargers team. So, and, uh, and if you do, and if you do that, they they would have won the game. They would have won the game. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Aside from that, you know, I thought the the one bad look for the coaching staff was really when they came out of the timeout two, for the, the extra point, point yeah. the two point conversion that then they didn't even kick and then they missed the extra point. That was an incredible homage to the 1990s Bengals. But aside from that, the offensive line was a problem. Joe, Joe, and Jamar's turnovers were problems. The defense had some issues early, but I think they worked those things out for the most part. I I thought thought they they were, co- the coaching staff was fine. I thought they did a yeah. fine job. This, I gave this wasn't a, I on g- them. No, I gave him a C minus only because I heard a couple of things of uh, not a lot of energy early and the miscommunications you mentioned on the two point conversion was was really bad. So I yeah, gave him a I, that's, C minus. That's as embarrassing of a thing as you can have oh, as a coaching staff, I'd say. And I'll give Zach credit. I thought he explained it perfectly and he didn't soft shoot. He said, hey, listen, we wanted to go on this hash mark. We tried to go the other hash mark. We, we mismanaged the clock. Um, and he said it was, I think it was horrific, horrific, horrific is the way he explained it. And it was. And again, take ownership. I'm glad with that and and, and move on and learn from it. But it was really weird. I, th- I thought it was really weird even at that time, honestly, Rick, to go for two, to be quite frank. I thought that was, did you need to chase points then? Yeah, I mean, I guess the concept there was make it a three-score game. Are you just right. going to go for two points after every touchdown then? Right. I mean, that just right. doesn't that doesn't seem logical. I, I have to assume there's some analytics thing there that says it's the right play, but I, yeah. it didn't make sense to me either. No, I will tell you, the, the only time I was a little bit upset with it with a decision was really the, and I actually didn't even write this, and shame on me for that, was the play called a mixin on after they made it 24-22. They had a penalty. The Chargers did. It moved it to the one, and they just ran it straight up the middle. They didn't give themselves really any chance for mixin to pick a hole or anything. They just tried to get some push and run it straight ahead, and the Chargers stuffed it up their ass. <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't great either. I would agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, I think the, co- the you know I, I put it this way: I would not put this on the coaching staff. No, I, don't, I saw I, a lot of people. I agree about it. No, during the everybody game after, does. and it's like everybody uh, does. Dude. That's after every loss. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. But but there are times where yeah, I would really question the offensive play calling. There are times where it's like, what the hell was the defense doing? Not adjusting to what was coming at them. This wasn't one of those times. I mean, Jamar Chase catches that ball and runs into the end zone. It's a completely different game. Joe Mixon doesn't randomly cough the ball up for no reason at all. It's a completely different game. That's not on Zach Taylor. 
No, agreed. And, and you know, again, part of my other ding was, was the things I talked about, but also the Chargers really exploited the Bengals' defense, you know, in those first few drives. Yeah, they, they did. Down, they hunkered down and did great after that, but some of that, too, I'm going to have to put on the coaching staff, some of it on execution. But you're right. I mean, dude, Jamar Chase turns a 9-7 game into 16 to nothing in, in, in a minute, and that's not on anybody other than him. It just is. And, yeah. again, you're 24-22, and a guy who never fumbles, fumbles. They made a run call. Is Do you blame them for On second and two at the 34 of the Chargers, when you're in field goal range, do you blame them for a run call? No, of course not. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they were, they're in a good spot right there to take a lead in a worst-case scenario with McPherson kicking a reasonably distanced yeah. field goal for him. A reasonably and, and, and again, on second and two, get the first down, and now you're back to – maybe punching this thing all the way in the end zone. So I no, there's, there's no blame for the coaches on any of that stuff. You know, piggybacking off of that. My final point would just be that seeing that matchup play out, even though it was a really bad game for the Bengals, that matchup doesn't bother me at all. If they were to meet up again, I would be completely fine with it. Oh them. yeah. No, no question. They, they, they don't protect Herbert very well. Um, they got issues in the secondary. They've they've got more issues than the Bengals have, in my opinion. And again, I'll go back to get me Trey Hopkins and Riley Reef back. There's no guarantee that happens whenever they play again, whenever that takes place. But give me the two guys back. And it felt like this whole week was Riley Reef is out, Trey Hopkins is in. In fact, he wasn't was a little bad. But you know, you also got Trey Hill some snaps. It sucks that he wasn't very good. He had two holding penalties that were awful. Isaiah Prince had a bad penalty. Um, not all the sacks were on those guys. I- I'm really interested tomorrow to hear from Zach um, after they watch film to see how he evaluates their performance. I don't think it was great. I don't think it was as awful as we think because they also did some good things on offense too, right? So um, that that'll be interesting to me. And you got to get the you got to get your main guys healthy. I don't know about Wilson and Awujier, and that's going to be a big thing. But the offensive line guys got to get back. They just have to. Yeah, but you played that poorly, and you could have very easily still won the game. That's correct. That's if you correct. take away some of those fluke plays, you probably from, from, do win yeah, the game almost no yeah, matter what. That were not Trey Hill related. That were not Riley Reef related. One was Jonah Williams related. One was Joe Burrow related. One was Joe Mixon related. One was Jamar Chase related. I mean, right? right? I mean, there, there you are. Your stars are the ones that mess this up. Straight up execution things too. So right, right. Yep. That's all I got. All right, man. We will be back midweek with our weekly potpourri podcast. I can't wait to see how bad I was in college football in the NFL because I've been terrible as late. We appreciate it for listening. Uh, for Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Post Game Edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer. Oh, fine, man.